1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey,
2: Mama. Hey, Mama. It's a black thing. She won't understand because she ain't black. She's a white. She only knows the white thing. The white
3: thing. You guys remember this tape, right? It's from episode 59. The kid rapping here is Kyria Traber, age six. Kyria's mom is white. Her dad is black. And Kyria made up this song for her mom um, to tell her how she'll never get what it means to be black. black Kyria and her mom were close but being different races added a layer of complexity to their relationship.
2: And I said, Mama, you don't know it now, so you won't know whatever, ever, because Mama, it's a Black thing.
3: Kiria is 32 now. She identifies as a Black woman with mixed heritage, and she's not rapping about race anymore, but she still thinks about race a lot especially when it comes to the possibility of having kids. I've always
4: known I wanted to be a parent um, since I was little. I, I was one of those little girls that had baby dolls, and was like, I'm gonna have 10 babies, and I was just really into
3: babies. Kyria and I have kept in touch since we did that story about her and her mom. About a year ago, she reached out, told me she had a new development in her life. She was trying to figure out how to become a mom, is in a queer relationship, and so making babies the old-fashioned way wasn't really in the cards for her, and she was feeling overwhelmed by her options. But Kiria knew she wasn't alone. Lots of her queer friends were also feeling overwhelmed by this question of how to start a family. So we invited Kira and some of her pals to join us in our New York studio to hash out what they think they want to do once they're ready to go for it. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank, and I got to say the topic we're covering today is going to sound familiar to a lot of you. The question of how to make a baby is something on the minds of LGBTQ folks, but also single people who want to be parents and people with fertility issues. So join us for this special roundtable discussion on the complex world of modern baby making and how your own childhood and cultural background can deeply inform what path you decide to take. All right, so at our table today, we've got two couples. To my left is Kyria and her partner. My name is Steph. To my right is Sasha and Crystal. Everyone here identifies as a queer person of color. You'll be hearing more about each of their backgrounds as we get into the discussion. And both couples have really fun meet-cutes. I, I want to share these stories with you. Um, since you already know Kyria, let's start with her and Steph. They're both from the Bay Area. You know, the Bay Area is not that big. And if you're a queer person of color, the community is like, whoop, tiny. So we knew of each other. Kiria a performer. Her vibe is exuberant, outgoing. Steph, who goes by they and them pronouns, is the type that doesn't really show their cards. So one night, about five years ago, Kiria and Steph run into each other at a party.
4: Went up to Steph, was like, hey, and they got the, hey. And then (laughs) Steph's friend was
3: also there, who went, hey, oh my God. Kiria doesn't recognize this guy, but she goes with it.
4: So I'm like hugging him and like, we must know each other. And Steph goes, you don't know him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, you didn't know that prior to you from coming up, me and him already had talked and had a whole discussion about you.
3: Kyria and Steph dance that night. They make out. They go on a date later that week. And at the end of the night, Steph drives Kyria to her mom's house to drop her off.
4: We're sitting outside and Steph,
3: you know, admits, it's like, you know, actually, I'm I'm
4: celibate right now. I'm not. I say, "Mm mm-hmm. I lean over in the car give Steph a big kiss and say, I'm going to get my toothbrush. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. And we went back to Steph's house.
2: Okay. But, <laughs> but
4: we stayed up all night talking about the Harlem Renaissance. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I knew. I was like, okay, this is an amazing person.
3: Okay, so that's Kyria and Steph. Now, Sasha and Crystal. They met through a dating app called Coffee Meets Bagel. This is Crystal. It's basically like...
5: The person that you are fed, essentially, is a bagel, right? The person is called a bagel. So I'm on, and I get one bagel a day. And then I have, like, a um, an allotment of, like, coffee beans that I can cash in. Now, um, I didn't pay for any, like, upgrades or anything like that. So I had whatever the – whatever however many coffee beans they give you when you first register is however many I had. Uh-huh. So – They only send you people that you are somehow linked to. It could be 10 degrees of separation. It could be one. So when Sasha popped up, um, you know, it said we had, like, one degree of separation. And I was like, oh, you know, she's cute, but I have to know who the person in common is. So I cashed in all my coffee beans.
3: (laughs) (laughs) turns out the common link is a good friend of Crystal's, but Sasha barely knows them, which actually is irrelevant. Sasha has already swiped on Crystal. They start talking, trading answers to deep questions like, what's your biggest fear? After a few weeks of that, they meet up. We've been together ever since. So this is our roundtable. Kiria and Steph, Sasha and Crystal. All right, let's jump in. So let's just start with each couple talking about how you decided you wanted kids. Um let's start with with you guys Kiria and Steph.
2: Um so this has been like a a campaign that Carrie has been like on <laughs> to try to convince me to have uh-huh. kids. I'm not actually I'm not, you know, I'm not as gung ho yet um, in terms of having kids. I mean I I think just growing up and seeing the difficulty that my parents had in terms of trying to raise their kids and the fact that they had different parenting styles and the styles completely just totally did not work together made me really anxious about having kids and then also anxious around having you know raising kids with another person Um, and then also on top of that being you know queer and uh, being a queer parent and bringing a child into this in a world where you know this is a lot of um, they're just don't to have to deal with a lot with having two black queer parents. Um, so I am, and and also there's also a money thing to it. But I'm not going to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not going to sound like I'm cheap. But so
3: I mean, I just think, well, but that, I mean, but that, <sighs> I think that's that's a very universal worry of people, right, making this decision whether or not they want to become parents. I think it's totally relevant.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I also think about the financial piece of it too. When the when it first came up in discussion, my first reaction was, "Oh no, this is going to cost a lot of money. Why? Like we can be, we can like you know travel the world and like have you know save our money and buy. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. I was just thinking about other <laughs> ways <what you laughs> baby. Your money. Yes, other ways you can spend your money. Um, but you know, then like you know, I have cousins who have babies, and every holiday. Um, I may see them with the babies and I'm just like, okay, maybe this is something <laughs> that could be feasibly done. Um, but, you know, I think the, the conversations and the fact that I know and I trust Kiria, and I know that at, at the bottom, like at the end of the day, she could take care of the kid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, I'm not saying that you could take care of it by yourself. I'm just saying, like, I know for a fact that I trust in you. So if I, jaw just <laughs> if, I, if I start, you know, like saying I can't, like, I'm freaking out, I know I could, like, she's someone I can trust and, like, I ask for guidance because she's around the kids a lot more than I am. So.
3: And was this, like, for you, Kerio, was it a, a make or break kind of thing in a yeah. relationship?
4: Yeah, that yeah, that's that's it. Well, first I want to say that when, you know, we were courting and I think, you know, fantasizing, Steph didn't make it sound like they weren't interested in having kids. So, I must say it.
2: anything if you want. Okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I think that we'd always had like a in our fantasy talk an an image of us having kids together. I maybe I, I'll, I'll admit to it. I have a bit of a uh, internalized fear of being um, an older parent, which I think is is lame and like served to me a lot by media of like, you know, first of all, like have kids before you're 35 or else or, you know, all that stuff. Um,
3: so I, I've, I've had a kind of clock ticking. Kiria and Steph say they're committed to having kids together. They just don't have the details in place yet. So, um, Crystal and Sasha, let's move on, on to your, your story. Um, how, how have you guys talked about this question? I would say for me... And this, this is Crystal speaking. Sorry. Yes, yeah.
5: thank you. This is Crystal. I've always been somewhat indifferent about kids. It was kind of like I'll fi- either I'll find somebody that I'll want to have a kid with and I'll have it because um, I only plan to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or... I won't, and I won't have a kid, and I'll still be good. Um, So, and, you know, having met Sasha and been with Sasha um, three years now, she's definitely somebody that if I were to have a kid, I would have it with her. I want to have it with her, and but I think as far as Actually having the child, that's like—we don't have to have a child. You know what I mean? Like, if we don't have a child, I'll still be happy. Um, But if I were to have a child, this is, like, how I want to do it.
6: How about you, Sasha? What Crystal just said reminds me of what's really beautiful about being queer is that we imagine our families in a million different ways. I think the desire to have a kid for me comes from wanting to have a family— Um, I've dealt, and I think this is true for a lot of queer people and queer people of color in particular, I've dealt with a lot of family rejection for being queer. But when I think about family and and our family, the family that Crystal and I have right now and and will continue to build, children always feel part of that. And it helps me feel like that's complete. Um, And again, there's a lot of different ways that we can have kids the financial aspect of having a biological child or children maybe just child i guess <laughs> is one that we have to ask ourselves because it's there's no accidents right every step yep. that we take in that direction is going to be one that's extremely deliberate um i used to work in reproductive health and i'm very fascinated by assisted reproductive technology that world is rapidly changing and governed by all these funky laws by state and what you can do and what you can't do. And do you have to be married or do you not have to be married? That whole world of trying to sort that out is complicated and can feel really daunting. But I also feel really confident in in us being able to navigate whatever whatever having children in our life looks like.
3: And have you have you come to a decision that you want to have a child between the two of you? Or is that still up for debate? You know, um, if I may, this is
5: Crystal. So two things I want to touch on really quickly in getting to that mm-hmm. answer. Um, so one is, so my mom has Alzheimer's and I, we are together her um, primary caregivers. Um, my mom also had me later in life and I'm an only child. And so, and my mom is a single mom. Um, and also Sasha and I are four and a half years apart. So she's... Not thirty yet, and I'm um almost thirty four and I think that we've definitely said we want to have a kid for sure, but it's like does she feel comfortable having a kid and starting a family of our own when she may not have the support of her parents? And then what does like my us caregiving for my mother look like when we also have a child? So when is the right time? I'm older, and I've also had some of the same thoughts as Kira because I have an older mother that I've been caring for since I was, like, less than 30, you know, under 30. Um, So it's thinking about, like, I don't want to have a kid when I'm 40 years old or over 40. And that's something we talk about a lot because Sasha probably won't be ready until I'm pushing 40. And then we have to figure out, you know, what does that look like and is it going to happen? I mean, you never know, right? We can only like live in the present and sort of make the plans, but we all know what happens to the best laid plans.
3: Coming up, more big life questions accompanied by tacos and trumpets. Stay with us.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
7: Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the true accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all twenty-five offered languages. Get started today! Visit RosettaStone.com/pod50 to get fifty percent off your lifetime membership now. That's RosettaStone.com/pod50 for fifty percent off.
3: We're back with Kira and Steph and Crystal and Sasha, two couples who know that they eventually want kids. They just haven't figured out yet how to make them. Okay, so one evening, about a year ago, they all headed to an event space in Hell's Kitchen to check out a family planning workshop put on by a couple of LGBTQ organizations. The whole thing was Sasha's idea.
6: It was hosted by a um, physician at a fertility clinic. And the physician um, had a pretty wide-ranging conversation that addressed a broad audience that was in the room around different options for um, all kinds of LGBTQ folks who are seeking to have children, um, from the planning to um, whether if you're looking for a surrogate, the process that um, is surrounding that, the costs, et cetera. And donors, too. And donors donors, as well. Um, It was interesting to be in the room also just to be in a really engaged audience of folks Mm -hmm. who were of every – Extremely racially diverse room. Very diverse. Surprisingly diverse. Visibly eager people who were queer and wanted to have babies was really empowering. And just that alone felt really exciting. But also, um, it this experience can feel really isolating. It was helpful f- for me to remind myself that many, many people have these questions. So
3: this was led by a doctor <laughs> who um, has experience uh, working with the queer community. Correct. Yeah. and um, He's gay himself. Okay. Yeah. And so, what was covered? Like, what are the? Can you like list what all of the options are? He did. He, it was pretty systematic the presentation. So there was
4: a portion that was about surrogacy, and and then a portion about donors, which can be a related conversation. Like, you know, you can donate. You can find a donor for an egg and a donor for sperm. You can even if even if you're a cisgendered um, female couple, you might want to surrogate. There's lots of different things. So there was that. And then there was the part that was most illuminating for me was some of the um, the ways in which the law requires you. If Steph and I were to have a child and we used insemination at home, like we got someone's sperm and wanted to just do it ourselves.
3: Like a known donor like kind a, of thing?
4: Yeah, like a known donor situation. If we did not involve a third party person, that known donor would be guaranteed rights to parenthood.
2: Hmm. I would have no rights,
4: right? And Steph has no rights, which again is like not something that a straight couple has to worry about. Like I was an accident. All of my cousins were accidents. Like oops, (laughs) you know. Um, That was the best accident my mother ever made. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) And this this was I will. They did say like the presentation was actually even pre. They, they developed the presentation before gay marriage was as legal as it was in New York, as it is in New York. And so they even were like, this is if you're not married. So that we don't even know the answer to that. Like, how that changes it is it might not matter whether or not Steph and I are legally married. Are you?
3: Not yet, but we just got engaged. Oh,
4: congratulations. Um, thank you. Partially oh. so we can have a baby.
3: <laughs> so we check this out. And yes, in New York at least, being legally married can help a couple navigate some of the legal issues around parental rights. But non-married couples can draw up legal contracts with donors to help navigate those things, too. curious says that marriage will also give them more security around healthcare and finances. Plus, they feel like it'll help legitimize their relationship to Steph's more traditional family.
6: And what about you, Crystal and
3: Sasha? Are you married? We're not. We're not married, nor engaged.
6: <laughs> <laughs> there are so many legal questions, I think, that are involved that make this feel really big and... Like almost like every step of the way, the legitimacy of this child is being questioned or challenged or you have to sort through all these details. Um, And so not, I mean, it feels like not roadblocks per se, but just so many obstacles to
2: Hop over, and I think for us, we want to so sure. just cost money. And I was gonna say that, yeah, <laughs> and it's so expensive. Yes,
3: yeah. and- remember, this is Steph, curious partner who brought up financial concerns before.
2: It is so expensive. I don't even remember how much it was for, um, um, in vitro. Do you guys remember it's how much? Like twenty thousand. I was gonna say it's like twenty
5: thousand a pop, yeah, like a try around um, every try on average, give or take. So
3: you know, so you got to be very I mean, intentional you gotta be about very this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so and I then there's
5: like health insurance, you know. So like, if you, I know I was talking to like a straight friend of mine who was having fertility issues, and she said that, you know, she's 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 covered all the in vitro, all that stuff is covered under health insurance. But if you're a same sex couple you may not necessarily be
3: covered to go through that, and that's when you have to pay out of pocket. What Crystal's getting at here is complicated. Okay, so if an insurance company provides coverage for IVF at all, which many don't, the company often requires an infertility diagnosis. This means that any person pursuing IVF for reasons other than infertility, say, because they don't have a partner with sperm, that person would not be covered. So, at the workshop, were there um, adoption options discussed as well?
6: Not really. I don't recall that. Yeah, because oh, okay. it, it was a fertility That's clinic. That's right. Yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah. they're also trying to offer a service. Yeah, you know what I
4: think I'd, he did is just was like, and I can recommend some places to yeah. talk to about adoption. Right, that right. That was right, probably what it
3: was. Crystal and Sasha say they might consider adoption and foster care down the line, but they'd like to try for a biological child related to at least one of them first. Steph and Kyria agreed.
4: While I did leave the workshop excited, it, so I'm a planner, so maybe I was excited because I could see, like, a plan f- folding out. But it was also like, oh, it, I can't do this myself. And, I mean, like, I I haven't even been certain that I wanted to get married. I think there's a version of our, you know, relationship where we stay together and don't get married if I didn't, if I didn't feel so certain about having kids. And uh, that was also a conversation that came out of it that I was like, I think we— have to get married if if we're doing this, and I really want to do this.
3: And how, how did that go? Was there an engagement, like a like a proposal?
4: <laughs> it just happened like a month ago. So yeah, it just Tell happened
2: on, it. on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So we went um, back home to California, the Bay Area. There's a really, you know, not not a well known, but just like a an, a staple taco truck that. You know, tacos are really important if you're from so California. You it's very, just bare, it's you it's know very, how important
4: Bay tacos are.
2: Okay, we went to get tacos. We went to the lake. sat down. ate the tacos.
4: A trumpet player starts playing jazz. I was
2: just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> A trumpet player starts playing jazz. Um, I was really shy and nervous, and I finally was like, so uh, we've been together for like five years. Do you want to be together for a lot longer? I like whipped out the ring and she screamed like, Oh my god, I can't believe you got it together. And <laughs> no, that, was where, yes, that was that <laughs> was yeah. that was uh, you know, after everything after that sort of like I just sort of went numb. So okay, the the fertility planning workshop
3: led to Steph's jazzy taco-filled proposal. But the workshop got all of the friends' wheels turning. The night of the class, Kyria and Steph and Crystal and Sasha, and another couple too, they all went out for fancy French food. And they started talking about all the new information they had and what they thought they wanted to do. Here's Crystal.
5: We all sort of, you know, speaking as couples, have a sense of the general place that, that we're in. So we can say, Sasha and I can say generally, yes, we want to have a kid. This is what we know needs to be the next step. Um, I have, like, absolutely no interest in carrying a child. And so we've always talked about her carrying a child. In her ideal world, she wants to carry my egg. In my ideal world, everything is just coming at her.
3: Um,
2: (laughs) Sasha didn't want them looking at me.
6: (laughs) Sasha, why, why is that your ideal world, to have Crystal's egg? It would help me feel like it was our kid. And so this is complicated, right? This is where I then go back to... My original point that I started with is that family looks a million different ways. And so sometimes I stop myself because I think I'm caught up in this mentality of family is necessarily biological. And I know that that's wrong. I know that that is absolutely not right. And so I am trying to Fix my brain. But that's a lifelong.
2: But can I just say one thing, though? And This is Steph. On Facebook, I saw a baby that looks like me. And that literally <laughs> changed my whole mind. You did like, mention oh, A baby that's
3: related to you that looks like you? We're or just, just a random baby. Some random babies <laughs> we had another
2: dinner at which this came up. <laughs> and so, I mean, I Steph think wants that baby. I want, you know, it's, there is something about, like, you know, having a child that looks like you. Because the thing is, like. My fam, like my family, we're we're very proud, like of our of our heritage of where we come from, um, and to be able to like then share that with
3: you know. It remind us who where's your her- heritage from. Your- oh yeah,
2: sorry, uh, we're Jamaican. Um, you know the music, the food, the culture, all that stuff. And I'm not saying that if if I were to have a kid and, and it wasn't biologically mine, that I wouldn't be like, you're not Jamaican. But and I think there is something about wanting to share that and also. Also getting buy-in for my family. Mm-hmm. Like, this is that's this right. is your blood, you know, and this is your blood grandbaby or this is your blood grandniece or cousin. Like, you can't, like, this, you can't, like. Deny re- it. Yeah, deny it or reject it. Um,
4: yeah, the thing for me is race. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also a lot of what we talked about at the dinner.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so tell me all... about
3: that. I wanted to know um, how how much does race play into this conversation?
4: Yeah, at, Hugely for all of us being people of color and being queer people of color and the ways those things interact is a huge part of who we are. And so I want to be a black queer mom to a baby that is also black. Um, Of mixed heritage, sure, but um, bringing more um, radical black babies into the world is something I'm interested in. (laughs) And so
3: what does that mean for you in terms of like action? Would that mean looking for a sperm donor of color? Um, what, what What's going through your head is, as you make those kinds of plans?
4: Yeah. So me personally, um, I I want a known donor. Um, it doesn't have to be someone that's intimately involved in the kid's life, but because I did have a, such a long time getting to know my dad and my, um, my dad's side of the family, I want to make sure that whatever child I bring to the world has access to as much as possible about their genealogical history. And I want it to be a black donor. Um, and if it was Jamaican, that would be like a bonus. <laughs> um, so we have talked about whether we could um, ask someone in Steph's family to donate if it's my egg.
2: And Steph, is that
3: is that something you're into?
2: <laughs> oh, I'm totally into it. I, I just think it's about whether or not my family's into it. I had a conversation about this exact um, topic with my mom and my sister. I think my mom was, I think she was like, okay, I I, I um, I I think I could see that. My sister was like vehemently like, no, like I don't. think It's gonna be weird if the kids, you know, dad was is actually their uncle, is actually their cousin, is actually you know what I'm saying. So she was. Um, and the thing is, like, I need to get their my immediate family's buy in in order to get the lot like to get buy in from like my larger extended family. So
3: right. why why couldn't you just go directly to a cousin or somebody?
2: Well, I would actually want to go to my brother. Mm-hmm. My brother has cerebral palsy. So it would be very difficult just to go to him without involving the other members of my family.
3: That makes sense. So. Yeah.
2: Um, so he's a very, I mean, he's. A- oh, no, no. He could totally, like, hes he is a independent guy, but, like. Still, my family is very protective of him. And then very involved in his health And care. very involved in his health care. And if I, were, I couldn't just sneak by and be like, oh, yeah, I'm I going to ask my brother to be, you know, you know, the father of my child without involving the rest of my family it just wouldn't work.
5: Yeah. It's also interesting to me, you know, again, like listening to everybody else because I don't—I've I've never really—like, obviously, I know I'm gay— but I've never thought about myself as, like, a gay parent. I've always thought about myself when I've thought about myself as being a parent, as just a parent. Um, just, like, if we want to have a baby, we're going to find a way to make a baby. We may not have $20,000 sitting around right now, but if, it, if the time comes and we're going to make it happen, it's going to happen. We're going to find the money. We're going to find a doctor. We're going to find some sperm. And the kid is going to be our kid, and we're going to be gay. That's not going to change. The world is going to be the world. It's going to be,
3: you know what I mean? It sounds like in each couple that you have decided um, which member of the couple would be carrying a baby if you were to do this biologically. Yes. Yes, Yes, and that that would be. (laughs) I think. And Sasha.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I think we all, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we all individually came into our relationships knowing that already (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) is that true yeah yes
3: so now um kiria and steph you were talking about really um preferring a known donor crystal and sasha i think uh you talked about that (laughs) sasha would would prefer to have um crystal's egg crystal not so much (laughs) but but what about what about sperm have you talked about that yeah we have a
5: Difference,
3: difference
6: of opinions. In opinions. <laughs> um, I um, would prefer a known donor because— This is Sasha. This is Sasha. So, Curious sort of mentioned this already. Um, a child is going to have questions about where they came from, and I believe that they should have access to those answers. Um, I wouldn't want to deny a child of those answers. Um, so, that's why I would prefer a known donor. However.
5: However, um, this is Crystal. I'm not necessarily opposed to a known donor— um i just have made the argument that one could have an unknown donor and still the child could have access to lots of information about that person and also at sperm banks you can um the donor themselves can sign a waiver that basically says i will allow this per- this child or these children or however many um to contact me when they 18 years old.
6: But for me, I think um, the reason that I think, this is Sasha, that a known donor is is important is there were a lot of secrets in my family growing up around how we got here that I only came to know of when I was an adult. How you got here? What do you mean? It, meaning my parents' immigration story, how they got married. So they immigrated t- from where? From India mm-hmm. um, and came in the 70s. Um, came separately, were married to other people. I just saw all these things that I didn't know until very, very recently. And so um, I think that's information that if people have access to it, children should know the complexities of how they were made. You know, a common thread that I feel like I'm hearing from
3: everyone here is that part of your decision-making process is coming from how you were raised and, and um, how much you knew or did not know your parents? It's, does that feel true for me? Very much so. Yeah, same.
5: I feel like anything is possible because I was raised by a single black mother. So I feel like, word, shit, the world is mine. I could do whatever the fuck I want.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think my story is a little is like literally the total opposite. I mean, this is stuff. This is stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have you know the idea of like having a non traditional family is um, even though. By default, this is a non-traditional family. Um, it's still, it's still sort of, um, it's, it's still a little, a little hard to reconcile for me.
5: Honestly. But yeah, I mean, because like who, who says what's traditional versus non-traditional? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, I know it, it's, it's a bunch of bullshit. But I'm just saying, just in terms of like what I've seen, yeah, um, growing up is um, two parent, two parent family staying together regardless if they're fighting with each other for all night and all day long, um, you know, they're going to stay together, they're going to raise these kids, and, you know, everyone's just going to shut up and be happy. So, <laughs> 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 so yeah. Is that what you have in mind, Kira? <laughs> oh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah.
3: In a minute, the personal gets political. Our roundtable discusses how the election has intensified their desires and fears around parenthood. Don't go away.
0: At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you lobster mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
7: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
3: We are back with Kyria and Steph and Sasha and Crystal. So that family planning workshop they all went to happened about a year ago, long before the 2016 presidential election.
6: I worked on the Hillary campaign. This is Sasha. Um, and feel very deeply affected by, like all of us, I know, but particularly impacted by what's happening right now um, in this country. And um, you know, a lot of folks in in my life, and I think in our lives collectively, have said that. And this is not a new thing. And this didn't start after you know, come November 9th, That it's a dangerous world for children of color to live in. That's been reality for since the beginning of
5: this country. country. And
6: so that's something that's just worthwhile acknowledging. It's particularly heightened now, but then I also believe that the families that we have and the families that we're going to raise are going to be that much more resilient um, and are going to be part of solutions. Um, And so even for folks that I know who have small children now or who have kids that are growing the ability to talk to those kids about what's going on feels so urgent and so important. I know there's so many people in our lives who are already doing it, and that's some of the most courageous and most important work that we can do is to raise families and communities that are going to be resilient in the face of that and then perhaps have more babies and, and create the army that's going to <laughs> to fight um, you know the power, basically yeah, um, whether that's the next four years or so, the next um, lifetime.
3: I was expecting you sorta of to say like it's made me more fearful about having babies, but it sounds like it's um made you feel more made it feel more urgent. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean we've we've had
5: you know, the same sort of conversation with other friends who've said like, we don't want to bring a child into this world. I have the complete opposite feeling, which is like well, I was gonna say a curse word, but um like, There's cursing on
3: this podcast.
5: <laughs> so I just feel like, well, shit, I don't want them to have all the babies. You know what I mean? Like, my babies are the babies that we all need. So <laughs> you're talking about your white friends or no, or, or not, no, not, not some white orders. friends. Just um, the right wing. Like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Neo-Nazis. yeah. 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 Yeah, no yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. It's not like a race thing. It's just like a little bit of race uh, thing. Not for me. It's more like a like minded thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, We should be the people
4: having more babies. Guess what? 2042, we're going to be the majority. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) And let's get working on that.
2: Well, no, and I'll—oh, do you want to go ahead, Seth? I mean, I I think I'm probably the only one that probably disagrees with the group. That's true. So, I I mean, I I think when, you know, when the Trump election happened, um, I would feel selfish bringing a a kid into this world when it's so fucked up. And, you know, I don't really know— how I want to be able to protect them. I think I was just I'm I'm a risk adverse person. So I'm the type of person that I'll I've been keeping like a whole stack of money in my bank account, and not investing it into anything because I don't know what what, what what the stock market is gonna do. So I'm like I I want to like make I wanna make sure that, you know, if I bring someone into this world that they're gonna it's gonna be like not, not a shit show. Like it's gonna be something that they, you know,
5: if it's not this shit show, it's going to be another shit show. Exactly. So one can never predict the
4: future.
2: That's very true. It's very true.
4: I think this is interesting because I already mentioned like being raised by nonconformist folks and like kind of radical-minded parents. This is curious talking and um I feel I have a duty to carry on that kind of radical knowledge and education to the next generation. I do that as an educator and as a culture worker when I'm working with young kids in the arts, but I can even do it more intentionally and in depth with a child of my own, being a part of a community of parents. I, I feel like I'm equipped for that, and I want to be a part of that.
3: And Steph, as curious partner, do you, do you feel like you were just expressing, you were the one person at the table expressing doubt about whether this was a good time to become a parent. Um, Does hearing Kyria talk about like the empowerment of becoming a parent now, does that change your mind at all?
2: I I think that it does, it does make me feel a little bit better, but then I always go back to like, I know this is gonna be like really dramatic, but whatever. Um, You know, back in the days of like slavery, where you Think of like the mom that like, you know, would rather like kill her baby rather than have him go through some, you know, the tr- the trauma of, of of being enslaved. Um, not saying that we're in that situation, but I do. We're not in that situation at all. I understand that. I'm just saying like, I am upset about the fact that I have to deal with this shit on a day. I have to deal with being black. I have to deal with being queer. De- deal with being in a world that fucking hates me. You know, it's stressful. It stresses me. It stresses me out. It stresses everyone that I know out. We deal with a lot of mental health issues, um, and i I think it would break my heart um, to bring a kid into this world and for them to deal with some of the shit that I see. You know, are my community dealing with on a day to day basis? Because it's 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 hard. Any responses? That makes me so sad.
5: This is Crystal. Yeah, this is Crystal. Because I walk in this world as a black gay woman. But I don't feel like, I don't feel the same way that Steph feels. I don't feel like I have to deal with being black or I have to deal with being gay, you know? So it makes me really sad um, to hear Steph say that. And I know that Steph is not alone in that.
3: Well, do, do you imagine having to have conversations with a child of yours about the hard things that go on in the world? And, and how does that impact your feeling about becoming potentially becoming a parent? Listen, I was raised,
5: like I said, by a single mother, which I think is like feminism, like Living, breathing, whatever. So my mother never talked to me about feminism. My mother has never told me what it's like to be black. But I don't think she really had to. Um, you know, I I feel like I was birthed a feminist um, to a feminist who may or may not have even identified as a feminist, you know, but... Um, I also leave all the radical everything to Sasha. And I don't—I was thinking, like, I don't even know what raising—I think you said radical consciousness. I don't even know what, like, raising a child like that looks like. Um,
3: what What do you think—this um, this sounds like very hard decision-making. Um, and there are plenty of LGBTQ folks out there who are trying to make these decisions— what advice do you have for like how to start thinking about this, how to start talking about it as couples? Yeah. To, talking a lot. Yeah. And
4: I like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like a, a mom seeker outer right now. Like when I meet a new friend and they're like, oh, blah, blah, my kid. I'm like, oh, you have kid. How, how, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, whether they're straight or not. Um, that workshop was really helpful. I would seek out any in your area, if you if there's anybody who's giving a workshop.
6: It's funny that you ask, what advice do you have? Because part of me also is looking for more models for mm-hmm. what this looks like. Um, I would hope for there to be more models so that we can lean on them. But for us, I think, and I don't think we've really ever named this, but just being able to have really open conversations about the future that we envision, and to be really honest, I think it's, it's easy to, con- for me, it's been easy to conform to this very particular vision of what family should look like. And I challenge myself every day to break out of that and reimagine that in a million different ways. Um, but then also to be honest about what we want. Um, and it's really helpful to just keep talking about it because the world is shifting. I think we continue to shift and change, and our relationship does too, and grow. Um, so that's, that's been helpful so far.
3: Yeah, so so have any of you taken any steps in in this direction to to, to get the ball rolling? This is step one.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I'm mean, talking about it out loud with other people. <laughs> you know,
6: thousands of people to listen to. <laughs> step one, check.
3: Curious as also she's planning to see a doctor get her fertility tested. Crystal too. She wants to find out if she's even a good candidate to give an egg to Sasha. Sasha says she'd like to continue working on her relationship with her own parents so she and Crystal can have some stability and support for the family they hope to create. Nobody's set a timeline or anything. There's still a lot of figuring out to do. But we're going to keep in touch with the group and we will keep you posted on any new developments. We know there are lots of you out there trying to figure out how to start a family. If you want to find a family planning workshop like the one we talked about today, we have got resources at our website, LongestShortestTime.com. And while you're there, let us know how you're figuring this stuff out. Are you wading through the options of baby making while queer? How does your identity and family history play into all of this? Maybe your partner wants something different from you. Help us to continue this conversation. Join the roundtable. Talk to each other in the comments for this episode. That's episode one hundred and fourteen. This podcast is produced by me, Hillary Frank, with Abigail Keel and Kristen Clark. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Carum and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our original scoring music is performed by HotMoms.gov and directed by Allison Layton Brown. We get editorial support from Amory marie Baldonado, Antonia Akitunde, and Rika Murthy. Special thanks this week to Zach Dinerstein, Melissa Brisman, and Path to Parenthood. Next week, we catch up with audience favorite Pratima Gupta, the mom and OBGYN who performs abortions. And Pratima has a bunch of new things to celebrate.
0: I um, admittedly am having a wee bit of like buyer's regret about it, <laughs> but you know I'm trying to look forward to the positives.
3: Pratima's news is actually super relevant to our current political climate. You do not want to miss it. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Right now, we are especially looking for stories about being a parent when you're bipolar. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story.
7: Hey, you made the mistake of not turning off your podcast in time, so now you have to hear this cross-promotion for Hello from the Magic Tavern, a weekly podcast in the magical land of Foon, hosted by me, a human from Chicago.
1: And me, Usador, wizard of the 12th realm of Ephesius, And me, Chunt. I'm a
7: shapeshifter, but I'm mostly a badger. But I guess I've also been an alligator and a tiny horse with a top hat. If you want a fully improvised comedy fantasy epic, this is the show for you. You can start at the beginning and binge your way all the way up to episode 100, or honestly, just jump in on a new episode. It's not the one. Wire, you'll get it.
1: I join us, and we shall entertain thee hour after hour, o'er and o'er.
7: Also, speaking of the wire, who's Stringer Bell again? Wait, which one whistles? I don't want to talk about her stuff.
2: Stand up. You sing your wolf. Yeah. <laughs>
7: This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com.
1: Don't tell me
4: what to do. Don't tell me what to do.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.